Hello and welcome to the 100 Day Writing Challenge, day 39. You won't guess what today's challenge is. It's not something you've tried before. Don't worry, I won't keep teasing you like this forever. You wouldn't stand for that. But don't be too surprised if you feel like you can't do it. So yesterday I said that the subtitle for this part of the course, if there was one, which there isn't, would be All the Things We Cannot Say. So much of successful fiction is about the gaps, things characters can't or don't say, but also spaces that you, the author, leave for the reader's imagination to flow in and fill for themselves. Today we're going to take on that concept very literally. Ever noticed how often negations appear in fiction? I'm talking about sentences that exclude something rather than introduce something. So, for example, he hadn't ventured this deep into the caves before. That's a negation. It's telling us something the character hasn't done. Or he couldn't see a thing. That's not telling us what he can see. It's imagining us to Im- It's asking us to imagine the concept of an object, then saying, yep, the pr- protagonist can no see that. It reminds me of a very funny bit the um, stand-up comedian Simon Munnery used to do, and probably still does, where he critiqued the lyrics of John Lennon's Imagine. And he talked about how awkward the line, imagine there's no heaven, is because it's going, okay, first get the entire concept of heaven in your mind. Have you got it? Now cross it out. And he has a point, right? If you ask someone to imagine the absence of something, the first thing they have to do is imagine the existence of the thing. Basically the exact opposite of the experience you're trying to evoke. Imagine there's no badgers. Well, you, you probably just started imagining some badgers. We, we've both failed miserably, me as a communicator and you as an imaginer. Now, neither of the two example sentences that I just gave you sounds outrageous. Probably if a scene began... He hadn't ventured this deep into the caves before. He couldn't see a thing. You'd barely notice that. You wouldn't go, what? Instead of, you know, giving you additive information about the scene, actually what it's done is subtracted. You know, I've excluded some interpretations. But despite the fact that, you know, it can often slide past you and you don't notice, I think used carelessly, negation can have an effect similar to using too many similes or metaphors. When you use negation, you run the risk of drawing the reader's attention away from the narrative present, away from the world that is, and contrasting it with a hypothetical world that isn't. Do that too many times in quick succession and the reality, the tangibility, the crunchiness of your fictional world starts to dissolve. Even a sentence as seemingly innocuous as she didn't say anything has an abstract, distracting edge to it because it asks us to imagine the act of speech, then sort of strike a line through it and exclude it from the scene we're witnessing, which only makes us think of it more, right? She didn't say anything. Nothing's happened in that sentence. You're just giving us a concept. It's like saying, don't imagine Piers Morgan licking custard off a mirror. You can't help but do it. I'm so sorry. As a side note, this tendency to create relationships between words and concepts is one of the foundational parts of relational frame the- theory, which is one of the sort of like more complicated theoretical underpinnings of acceptance and commit- commitment therapy or ACT. It explains the phenomenon attested to in uh, psychological research literature of paradoxical relaxation, where... When anxious people do relaxation techniques like deep breathing or progressive muscle relaxation, quite a lot of them get more anxious because very quickly uh, they come to associate the word relaxation with its logical partner, anxiety. 
words, concepts, experiences and behaviours exist not on their own, but in a network of relationships with other words, concepts, experiences and behaviours. Words almost inevitably contain an echo of their opposites. Black makes us part of us think of white. Up sparks an echo of down. Death makes us very, very aware that we're alive. Now, you could easily recast the two examples I gave as this was the deepest he'd ever ventured into the caves and all I saw was fathomless black to make them assertions rather than negations, but I'm not sure that doing so makes them intrinsically better. And I'm not, let's be clear, saying that negations are capital B bad. If I ever say anything that sounds remotely close to a rule about writing, ignore it. Writing has norms, not rules. Compositional principles, sure. Tactics that seem to work on most readers, absolutely. But rules, no thank you very much. Let's take that line one last time. He hadn't ventured this deep into the caves before. Now, Truett doesn't give us any absolute information about the world, but in the same way that the dialogue we wrote yesterday contained implications, so does this. I don't have time to get into H.P. Grice's four conversational maxims today, you'll be relieved to hear, but maybe on a future episode I will talk about them and use some of my English language A-level because they're kind of a cool way at looking at dialogue. And if you make a character deliberately break one of these four rules that H.P. Grice came up with for how we talk to each other and little bits of shorthand we use, um, you can create some really interesting funny effects. But anyway, he hadn't ventured this deep implies obviously that he is, whoever he is, is now doing some venturing and he's going relatively deep. Nah. It doesn't say he is venturing, not absolutely, but almost without thinking about it, we infer that that's the case, right? I, I, I'm not being deliberately sort of um, finickety and, and petty here. I'm just pointing out kind of like how language works. This is, you know, this is the clay that we work with. We might as well drill down and see what's happening. You know, it, it would be quite a rug pull although not logically inconsistent, to discover that the scene that starts... He hadn't ventured this deep into the caves before, um, isn't in some caves at all, but in, I don't know, Ikea or something. It would still make logical sense. He hasn't ventured as far into the caves as he has into the endless Tupperware section of this nightmarishly designed Scandinavian consumer paradise. But the reader would feel in that case like they'd been tricked, which might be very amusing. He might do it once or twice, but it's still a deliberate head fake. We understand that the reader was led to believe something else. And it's not that, that negations are good or bad, but just that they're suited to a certain type of effect. Negations are usually more abstract, uh, more psychologically based, um, more about general mood and flavour, and more suited to implication than positive direct assertions, which tend to be more concrete. Look, I, I suppose what it is, is the difference between saying the dragon grinned and the dragon did not look displeased to see him. I quite like that sen second sentence. It's kind of cool. It certainly has a lot of flavour, right? So negation isn't wrong, per se. But it's worth being conscious of when you do or don't <laughs> negation, use negation in your narrative. So you can make sure each time you do use it, you're making a conscious choice and you're controlling your tone. The best way to develop your ear for this is 
I'm afraid to say practice. Much as I would love everything to be just transmittable to you by me lecturing you, sometimes you've got to write. So for today's task, we're going to write a scene entirely using negations. So sentences like, she didn't know, she hadn't heard anything, he wasn't there, it didn't take long, I shouldn't really tell you. They couldn't have stopped him. The knife didn't make a sound as it slipped into his belly. There wasn't anything to say. You get the idea. Sentences like that. Just make sure the main clause of each sentence is a negation. That the main verb of each of each central clause is a negation. So, she didn't give them any warning before she fired is fine. Yes, it contains a positive action, the subclause she fired, but the main verb give, she didn't give them any warning, is negated. And look, if that already sounds dreadfully complicated, if you're like, Tim, I cannot tell what the main clause, uh, verb of a sentence is. I don't know this business about clauses and subclauses. I feel like I'm being asked to sign an immensely complicated legal contract for my soul by a uh, devilish lawyer. Look, don't worry just do your best, right? I, I shan't be tasing you for failing to adhere precisely to the rules of this exercise. That's not the point. The main point is to push you to write in a new way and to have fun. As with previous exercises, you needn't plan this too much. You know, sort of discover the scene and the story of it rather than trying to solve it. Think of all the different ways you can string a scene together using negations. Try to include some dialogue if you can. You know, you might have to get creative uh, with how you handle dialogue tags, because having someone say, hello, she didn't say, you could put that, but um, it's kind of weird. But you could maybe use dialogue beats instead. instead. You know, he, his eye, he didn't look up. His eyes didn't flicker. You know, something like that. Anyway, I won't, you know, sort of give you loads of suggestions. I'll leave that all up to you. And look, if you're absolutely stumped as how to, be, you know, how to begin... Uh, if I've said all this and you're like, Tim, I've got no idea where to go with this. As a prompt, you're welcome to use this as a first line. It wasn't locked. It wasn't locked. You really, really don't have to if you don't want to. Right, 10 minutes writing a scene that uses only negations. I can't wait. Three, two, one, go.
And that's your lot. Thank you for indulging me. Well done for getting through it. Of course, this is a complicated, unnatural and, and frankly silly way of writing when you do it to this extreme, which is why I'm delighted to tell you you don't have to write like this all the time. Phew! Oh, I hope you enjoyed this challenge. My deepest wish is that exercises like this heighten your awareness of the choices you're making when you describe something in your stories and help to refine your stylistic sensibilities opening up some new possibilities for you. Of course, they will initially feel very, very awkward, as any new skill does, but over time, gradually, you'll start to integrate them. Right, we're not doing any more today. I shan't waffle on any longer. Don't be a stranger now. I won't see you tomorrow. Um, No, wait, that doesn't work. I will. Imagine there's no badges. The 100-Day Writing Challenge is made possible with the kind support of Arts Council England.